curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. I continue my recent hot streak interviewing some of the industry's most recognized names with this week's guest. Frequently used adjectives to describe Leslie Rourke include magnetic, dynamic, smart. She's shaking her head at me because she doesn't like when I do stuff like this. Creative and a positive force of energy. As owner of the Houston-based Promo Pros, Leslie and her team service an international client base, and not to be outdone by any of my other guests, she's also the current president of the Houston Promotional Products Association, and most importantly, I am pleased to call both Leslie and her husband, Sean, friends and sources of inspiration to me personally within the industry. So I'm thrilled to welcome Leslie. Thanks for coming. I'm so happy to have you here. Wow, that's quite an introduction. I'm not sure I can live up to that, but I'll try. Thanks <laughs> well, for having me. Yeah. Uh, that's not the first person to say that to me, and so I will repeat to you the same thing I say to each of you. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It's not up to you to decide. It's up to me. So that's my gift to you. Thank you for coming. So... Uh, you know, I'm super excited to talk to you because uh, s- stories like yours are somewhat unique, but interesting nonetheless in the fact that more often than not, all of us in our journeys to what we do for a living didn't wake up one day and say, you know, I'm going to sell stuff that has company logos on it and I'm going to do a bunch of it. And I'm going to be really successful at it. We just all end up here some way in another, and yours is no different in that. So, um, like, so there you are. You're young, Leslie. You are you are fresh from UT Austin, the the hotbed of fun that that place was. You got your graphic <laughs> design degree. You got your illustration background. What, what happens next? Well, um, actually, Sean, my husband, and I uh, worked in several dot-coms together, and that was the time when dot-coms were going strong and then uh, bottoming out. 
So we we were in like three or four companies together. And one was voice recognition. One was um, multi-point video conferencing. We were selling a lot of vaporware. And uh, you move from one company to the next. And as you do that, you get to move up the chain every time and you get a higher salary, which is really nice. (laughs) So, but I was a graphic designer. I had my own business on the side, but I was um, creative director in some of these companies. I was director of training and documentation because that's also in my background, writing software manuals, creating um, uh, web software uh, running beta testing, uh, doing, uh, being a program manager where I was the liaison between the developers and the client trying to, um, trying to describe what they wanted and, and get them something realistic, uh, and run, running the beta testing. And I'm not sure if I said that or not, but, um, creating the user interface. So a huge software background. And, um, so in, um, let's see, 2001, uh, we found ourselves at the end of another.com and we're looking for something. And my best friend from uh, first grade on, Michelle, it turns out her grandfather had a promotional products company uh, that we didn't know anything about because you never talk about what your grandparents do right. or even what your parents do right. when you're growing up. Right. Um, so, uh, it, it turns out his, her mother took over the company when her father died, and now her mother was about to pass, pass to cancer. And it was very sad for me because she was like a second mother to me. Uh, and they were just going to close down the company. Long story, but they were going to close it down. They both had their own careers. And we said, what the hell? We've bought um, millions of dollars worth of promotional products over the years. How hard can it be, Right. <laughs> right. Let's, let's jump into this. Let's do this. Sean's background is um, uh, operations and marketing, so it seemed like it was a perfect fit for us. And uh, we bought the company in January of 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, so we never were in the industry before, just kind of jumped in with both feet. And uh, the issue is that there was nothing on computers. So we come from this big software background and there was no database. There was no uh, way to order products or to keep track of any of the payables or anything on computer. There was no product lookup. So we had no idea what we were doing. And we had existing clients and they were calling us asking where our, where their orders were. <laughs> so, so, so here's the beauty of this to me, right? So, as I, as I, as I too had the good fortune or misfortune or depending on how you want to look at it of being in sales during that, that, that first dot-com era, right? So the late nineties were just such a heady time because we were going to solve the world because the clocks were all going to, everything was going to destroy at, that midnight, right. midnight on 2000. And so yeah. there was, there was such a different thought process around the way business was transacted. And I, and I'm not going to say there was a nihilism about it, but there was a certain, like, we better be throwing every resource we have at like finding out if this is really going to be what it's going to be, because if it is like, this could be ugly. And it really turned in a lot of ways to be much ado about nothing. And you used a really important term. You used the word vaporware. And the fun part about like, I bet you there's at least 
half the people on this that will listen to it will go, gosh, what is vaporware? And that was like vaporware was selling something that didn't exist. <laughs> and it didn't work yet. Yeah. Or, or selling the premise of what you intended your product to do when all of its development was complete. <laughs> and the funny yeah. part about it is there's some place that still does that. And its name is Tesla. <laughs> And he makes so much money selling stuff that is not ready yet. And there are people who are just lined up because the best salespeople in the world lived in that time because they could sell things to people on hope and the notion that they could solve a problem. So so you start there. And that's what's fun to me is to, to know that that's where you were. And, and that really was the deal. Like if you could do reasonably well at it, there was more to be had. So... So there you were, and then what's, what the next phase of this that's so interesting to me is, and I'm sure you don't think of it this way, was you moved into places where they actually had product to sell that then you turned around and was like, oh, no, this presents a whole new set of solutions because we have to learn how to implement it. We have to learn how to teach people how to do it. We have to like actually be able to provide the solution that we told someone we were going to sell them. <laughs> so, wow. so you, so you bolted on this amazing part of like, okay, like I know I've got to get this done. And then you're like, all right, we've made it. We're going to buy a business. <laughs> and you go in and you're like, Oh no, what have we done? <laughs> what is this business? Really? Yeah. How do we do this? Who are our clients? Who are our vendors? You actually have to deliver stuff in this business. And it's not vapor. That's that is actual stuff, actual <laughs> in a box stuff, <laughs> right? So, so I mean, what what were some of the early like where you just kind of looked at each other and shrugged your shoulders and said, you know, like how do how do we get there? Like how how did you well, how did you climb that mountain? Uh, I remember we were desperate for software to because of course that was what we were used to. We thought that was going to save the day, and it kind of did. So ASI really hooked us up with what we needed to be able to survive right. in ESP and um, and <clears throat> Heather DePredo, uh, who used to be with ASI for, for a long time. She was she's the one who walked us through how to do what we were supposed to do. And then um, people um, from HPPA, Houston Promotional Products Association, were really really helpful. Patrick Reinecker, who is a multi a multi line rep in Houston, oh, and award, a really great guy. Award winning. What's that? He just award winning. You're award right. winning. You're That's right. right. Good job, Patrick. People are paying attention, buddy. Uh huh. And um, he took us under his wing, and he said, "Okay, this is how this business works." I remember he took us to this salad place, and we sat down, and he kind of walked us through everything. And it just so many people were supportive. Um, we went to uh, Landis, which is a bag maker down here in Houston, um, because one of the our existing clients got their bags there. And uh, we were asking how much this bag, particular bag was. And she said, it's like 432 on a C. And we said, what's a C? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, honey, oh, honey, just sit down. Let me. Just, let me right. Oh, dear. Come on. <laughs> right, right. But the great thing about this industry is that everyone is so supportive of one another. Nobody is trying to steal your clients. People want to tell you their secrets. They want to tell you how to run your business better. And they want to teach you things, which was wonderful. And, and we enjoy teaching new people that come into the industry. For but, sure. Um, well, I, I, I think not all industries are like this. 
Well, I, I mean, I've been in some other ones and I can tell you with certainty that that's not the case. I mean, it's, you know, you got a better chance of getting into a fight with salespeople from another company in the bar out of Friday night in most industries than you do of getting together and sharing trade uh, practices and things like that. Right. So no, no, I mean, absolutely no doubt about it. And um, from, from, uh, from a um, giving perspective, you know, uh, I think in a lot of ways, it's the low barrier to entry that is in a lot of ways sort of what becomes the cohesive force around because you're constantly going to be flooded with competition. There's, there's nothing you can do to stop it. There's absolutely no way for you to counteract it. And, you know, truthfully, given what's happening in the world today with e-commerce, it's the number and quantity and the way you get competed against is changing every single day. So why not try to figure out a way to band together with other people <laughs> who know what they're doing and maybe learn a thing or two along the way in order to be able to survive? I mean, that's the way I think most of us are, are taking a look at it that are at least listening to, to this program. So, And it's always great to hear those stories around folks being willing to reach down and, and, you know, grab the hand of the person behind them. And then that being a legacy that continues even with what you guys are doing. So how long from, okay, we, we got it. And thank you ASI to like, where you felt like, all right, like we've got this thing under control and now we want to look at the ways we want to grow the business in, in ways that it evolved for you. Well, um, I'd love to say that we sat down and strategized and had a, a five-year plan and a 10-year plan. And yeah. and really, we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants uh, along the way. And we had a client um, call us and say, hey, do you guys do length of service programs? Uh-huh. And we're like, sure we do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we figured out how to do it. And we did it. And uh, I, I remember that a few years after that, um, I got an email that was some guy looking for a safety incentive program. And we hadn't been um, really marketing ourselves as an incentive program house, but I remember yelling to Sean, you gotta call this guy, you gotta call this guy. <laughs> and you know, he just figured out, we figured out how to do it. And that's what you do, right? You don't need anything, you don't try anything until your clients ask you for it. Most of the time, right? Most of the Most time. Most of the time. And yeah. So by 2006, we um, we changed our name from Harry E. Jones and Associates, which sounded like a law firm, right? right. That, was, that was my friend's grandfather's name, um, to Promo Pros, which said a lot more of what we did. Sure. Um, and uh, recently, about maybe five years back, we also started Incent Pros. Mm-hmm. So we're really promo pros and scent pros right. and the incent pros is our sister company that handles all of the incentive programs. Yeah. So, and you, you've, you've seen some pretty serious growth in that space as you've added that into your line of, uh, you know, your line of offerings products essentially. Right. So, um, talk about that evolution. Was there, was there a point where like a tipping point where you were like, wow, we're like, we're like more of an incentive company now. Like, do you, do you remember right. that moment? Like what, what that, what was, what was the trigger for that? Um, I think it was, I think it happened gradually, but we did look back on one year and say, wow, we do 75% of our income comes from incentive programs. And that's about where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that um, we don't do many promotional products with every single incentive program. There are promotional products that, 
help to brand and market the program. Mm -hmm. Uh, They go hand in hand. So that's why it's a great fit for promotional product distributors to get into the incentive market. So do do you, I'm the answer to the question is both. I know, but let's ask it. I'll ask it in a way that forces you to tell me one way or the other. Do, is it, do incentive programs pull promotional products or does it work the other way around? Yes. It really depends. Uh, I mean, some, some clients, we are um, only promotional product company to them. And then we kind of, uh, we probe a little bit and find out what they're doing for their length of service program, what they're doing for a sales or a safety incentive program. And sometimes we can get in that way. Um, other companies were only incentives to them. Right. And then we start saying, so what are you doing for this? How are we going to market this program? Did you know that we do t-shirts and executive gifts? And, you know, it, we're a solution provider. So we want to be the provider for every solution that they need. Yeah. And, um, branched out because of that. So in your growth towards being more heavily weighted towards incentives, was there was it the result of we learned how to do it really well and there was less competition, or was it there was uh, that marketplace was not as crowded? I mean, what what has there been anything that you've noticed in the two marketplaces from the competitive nature of each that may be same or different? Um, well, there are kind of two things there. Uh, Sean, when he decides to jump into something, really becomes the expert in it. He, he, so he started, uh, he got a CPIM in the first year, which is like our MAS. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, he started speaking, uh, not only all over the country, but all over the world on incentive programs and became IMA's, um, president, which is incentive marketing association. It's, it's their PBAI. Yeah. Um, he does that. He becomes an expert in something. And and then through the networking, we get our clients that way. So uh, I think that because we, the, the market wasn't saturated with distributors trying to do what we're doing, yeah. it was easier, but also we provide and we offer um, customized programs Whereas a lot of the big incentive houses don't, yeah. they can't afford to. Yeah. So it's more cookie cutter for them. And um, because we are completely customized, uh, we're able to give the kind of um, attention like we do in our promotional product sure. uh, side of business. Because it's, so it's, it's built into people. your nature, right? I mean, right. It's, that's what we do. Right. Yeah. Well, and so isn't it funny to hear you say, so you're custom because you're a solutions provider. And so here you are, you know, however much longer it is later, really just continuing to do what you've been doing all along, which is finding ways to solve problems for people when you know that you have something tangible that you can do for them. So that's not surprising to me at all. What What is um, interesting to me, though, is like, let's just think about it from a volunteer perspective, right? So um, what, what better way to accelerate your, your path to credibility than to volunteer? And I know that for a lot of people, that probably is not a straight line in their minds. But what I can tell you from my own personal experience, and I'm guessing Sean would say the same from what he's done on the incentive side is it's one thing to get trained by whomever it is that you're working for because you learn what they want you to know. 
And sure, you might be able to, you know, try to absorb some other stuff, but you're largely informed by the group that you're surrounded with. And if you can get yourself to where you're with the best and the people who are doing it at a national level, you get better faster and you get a better understanding of like what people that are doing it best are really doing. So if that's what you want, that's a way to do it. That is an acceleration to me in a lot of ways that's similar to like mentorship, but you're getting out and you're being active at the same time because you're usually volunteering and participating in that way. And, you know, obviously I know that with your being president of HPPA that you, you echo that for me. But before we get to that, I did want to ask, so, uh, you know, if there's people, this is, this happens every now and again, where people will say to me, like, you know, that topic was interesting to me. I wish you would have asked, like, if I wanted to try to get started in that space, what would I do? So for someone who maybe hasn't done something like this before, do you have some thoughts on places for them to go or things for them to read or people to follow that might be helpful? Well, there are many people in the industry who are very um, knowledgeable and vocal, you know, uh, yourself and um, Bill Petrie and Kirby Hossaman. I mean, there are a lot of people who put out blogs and podcasts and things that have very good information. But as far as the volunteering goes, there's usually a local or regional of PPAI to get involved with yeah. and it's easy to do. So contact them and contact PPAI. If you don't know where to go, uh, PPAI always has volunteer, uh, opportunities. And I think that it's, it, it is immeasurable what you get from it. You get much more back than you give to it. There's also promo kitchen where you can be a mentor. And I really enjoyed that too. So, um, once you're in the business for a while, you just feel like giving back. It's that industry. It's that kind of community. Yeah. And if you don't, you're probably bored in what you're doing. Uh, well, I think it, it certainly takes on a different context depending on the degree of your participation when it comes to things beyond just how am I executing my role as a member of my business, right? And. I mean, I would tell you if you look at the the guest list of this program, it's honestly sort of a representation of my time as a volunteer, both in the regional association community and at Promo Kitchen. And, you know, largely the people who I've had the fortune of interviewing have been people that I've come to know through one or both of those organizations. So, I mean, those two things are directly tied hand in hand to one another. So Leslie, as always, it's such a joy to talk to you. You always bring a smile to my face with your bright sunshiny disposition. And I love so much that you spent time with me today and told us that story about showing up with no computers. The emperor has just has no clothes, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll call it a, we'll call it a day. And until next time, I'll talk to you then. All right. Thanks, Roger.